Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. Before we dive into the show today, I wanted to share something new and exciting that I have on my website. I recently started publishing weaving patterns created by my customers. I'm releasing a new pattern every Friday, so if you're looking for some weaving inspiration and want new ideas to try something out, head over to my website at www.gistyarn.com patterns to check them out. It's g-i-s-t-y-a-r-n.com patterns. And if you'd like to write up a creative weaving project to be published on my blog, please reach out. And now let's get on with the show. Sarah Newbert is a fiber artist who lives at the foot of the Rocky Mountains in Fort Collins, Colorado. Her weaving practice is a search for balance and presence, and she uses it to explore the complexities of everyday life and the hidden patterns in the natural world. Sarah is also a weaving teacher and the founder and facilitator of The Weaving Kind, which is a vibrant online community that exists to help weavers all over the world connect with one another, learn new skills, and set deeper intentions for a lifelong weaving practice. I've really been looking forward to our conversation today, Sarah, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to start by asking how you found your way towards being an artist and a weaver. Yeah, so um, I've always really been drawn to the visual arts in particular, but I was also a really avid um, crocheter and knitter. But I kind of saw the visual art world and the fiber world as kind of being separate, and I didn't really know how to marry the two. And um, so around 2012, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I created an Instagram to kind of like share about uh, what it's like having a kid. (laughs) Um, But what happened was I started getting a little bit more involved in the Instagram world and I started seeing weavings pop up and I was like, hey, like that's, that's pretty cool. I think I'll buy a loom and make a weaving for my house, right? (laughs) Like just one, which I think has probably happened with a lot of people. Um, But it turned into much, much more than that. Wow. So did you teach yourself to weave or did somebody teach you? How did you learn? I am self-taught. When I was starting to learn, I didn't really know how to access weaving instruction um, just because there weren't a lot of people teaching the kind of weaving that I wanted to learn. And so there were a few people online that I reached out to, um, and some of them were really nice and really helpful. And then there were some who were actually really guarded about sharing their knowledge. And um, I don't know, I'm kind of just a lone wolf. And because, well, I was, let's say that. I was Mm -hmm. a lone wolf. Um, But the structure of weaving felt intuitive enough to me that I could sort of teach myself what I needed to get started. And um, I did did look up a lot of weaving terms online because I was doing all of these things that I didn't have names for. And I think I looked up a couple of tutorials like how to do a Raya knot. Um, But yeah, it, it was really slow. And I don't know if I really recommend teaching yourself 
but it worked for me. Um, and yeah, here I am. That's great. So yeah. you mentioned that um, there you didn't know of people who were teaching the kind of weaving that you wanted to do. What was what particularly was the kind of weaving that captivated you? I wanted to do really free form textural work. And most of the stuff that was available to me in my town was um, floor loom weaving. So, you know, a lot of complicated tie up patterns and um, I just, it was for weaving cloth, you know, and I wanted to weave things to hang on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you also had mentioned that you always felt like there was a, a big difference between the textile and fiber worlds and the visual art worlds where you also had a, did you also have a foot in the visual art world? Yeah, I, um, I grew up drawing and painting a lot and I actually was, I went to photography school and ran my own photography studio for about, gosh, six years. And then I worked for another studio for a while. So that, that was my full-time profession. And then when I had my daughter, I felt ready to take a step back from that. And you said that you bought a loom with an intention to make one wall hanging. And yeah. I think that probably has turned into many, many more. What was it that captivated you about the process and made you want to keep exploring on your loom? I just really loved the tactility of it and the way that I felt when I would weave. And it was really incredible. I'd never done a craft before where I was able to really get into that flow state so quickly. I felt like I just dropped in and it felt like home. And um, I think it was the thing that I had been kind of looking for without really realizing it. It just felt right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What kind of materials do you like to work with? I definitely use 99% natural fibers. Um, I think natural fibers have more personality, but also textile production is such a huge drain on our ecosystem. And, um, so it doesn't it doesn't feel right to me to use man-made fibers and um so you know i'm all about um hand spun local fibers when i can get them um, and probably the bulk of my stash is actually second hand and um, it's really cool because you never know what you're going to get when you show up at someone's like yard sale or an estate sale or someone's weaving studio and uh I've run across some really weird, cool stuff that way. I've also had some kind of like odd and scary experiences, but that's okay. Just from Craigslist and stuff. Yeah. But 99% um, of fiber people are amazing. And um, so I've gotten to meet some really cool people that way too. And also because I really like to collaborate with my materials, like kind of, get something that looks interesting and then just kind of ask it, okay, what do you want to be? Um, through that, I've discovered some fun ways of weaving that I may not have discovered otherwise. What's the coolest and most unusual thing you found secondhand somewhere? Um, 
I have some dog hair yarn. <laughs> that's wow. really, it's so beautiful. I haven't actually used it yet. Wow. Um, yeah. Hmm. I, I got some, um, some human hair from my friend that got a haircut recently. <laughs> and that's, yeah, I guess that's secondhand too. I like it. I like it. So if you're finding a lot of fiber materials secondhand in it, in, on Craigslist and in estate sales in your community, there must be a lot of textile people near you geogra- geographically. Is that is that right? Is there a big community there? I think so. Um, when I first started weaving, I didn't think there were a lot of people. But um, there are a lot of really experienced weavers, people that have been doing it for 30 or 40 years that aren't necessarily on Instagram. And so, yeah, I think if you feel isolated as a weaver, you aren't really, you just have to find out where the fiber people are. And so it it requires a little bit of stepping out of your comfort zone, but it's super, super worth it. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. When I opened up my little yarn shop south of Boston. I knew there were like a few weavers around, but I had no idea how many weavers would come up through the woodworks and like so many different kinds of people, right? Like people that weave with very fine material, people that make, you know, wall hangings with really thick material, like the whole Mm -hmm. gamut. Um, So it's pretty, it's pretty neat to see people come out of the woodworks when we look for them in different places. So absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you posted something really powerful on Instagram this week, and you were talking about coming from a religious culture that tends to view this life as a waiting room or disposable first draft for eternity. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, if it's okay with you, quote a little yeah. bit more of what you wrote and then ask you some questions about that. Does that sound okay? Yes. Yeah. So you wrote, and I'm quoting here, that this kind of thinking is complicit in the wholesale devaluation and poisoning of our earth and the division and isolation we all feel. I believe the soul lives on, but what kind of future can there be for a soul who, in this here and now, consciously refuses to participate in the co-creation, love, and deep relationships with this earth and her other billions of souls? None of this should feel disposable. We should not put toxins in our food. We should not wish for free access to weapons designed to kill another person as easily as possible. We should be curious, generous, and vulnerable. We should live simply. We should listen to the stories of people we do not understand. If eternity exists, it has already begun. And I, um, I found that to be a really powerful piece that kind of stopped me in my tracks as I was scrolling through Instagram. And I was wondering if you could talk more about the spiritual tradition that you were raised in and the spiritual tradition that you're creating for yourself now and how this is influencing your work as a weaver. Okay. So, gosh, um, I don't want to like I could, I could literally talk about this for hours and hours and hours, so <laughs> I will try to be really succinct, but um, I was raised in an evangelical Christian denom- denomination um, that kind of came up in like the hippie era and I think um, originally had like viewed itself as really progressive because like you could wear like jeans to church or I don't know, like have long hair as a dude. Um, at least I think that's what originally kind of drew my parents in. 
um, cause it felt like kind of a come as you are space. And I mean, like they, they preached a lot of grace and acceptance in that church, but, um, the view of God was really patriarchal and, um, the roles were very, very prescribed, especially for women. Um, and God was sort of seen as this like other, you know, like a loving presence, but a, an external presence. Um, and like God was holy and we were not, and we were actually like so awful that he specifically he not she, right. Um, had to, um, kill his son to stop himself from killing us. And, you know, when you boil it down to those kind of words, it sounds a lot like an over oversimplification. Um, but there just wasn't a lot of room for doubt or even, um, like curiosity. And, um, I think I just always felt like something was missing or like I specifically didn't quite fit. Um, or like that God wouldn't choose me. I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to explain because it's like really ingrained with how I grew up and my entire main mentality of the world. Um, but it was, you know, it was on one hand, it was hard to be in that environment, but it was also really stable and it was really comforting, you know, as long as you didn't, um, ask too many questions. Um, so it actually, you know, I feel like it's, it's taken me a lot of courage to actually start deconstructing all of it. And, um, you know, some people never do. Um, but I need, I needed to do it. And, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm an atheist because I think the soul is a real thing. And I think there's a source of being that we're all a part of, but um, I'm still really working it out and, um, I, so I hope that I'll always be working it out, you know, like I'm hesitant to actually say that I'm creating a spiritual tradition because I feel like my background is this example of what a terrible job people do at that. Mm. <laughs> um, so, you know, I really hope that I'll be exploring this until I die and, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not necessarily looking for answers or like any kind of structure. Um, but you know, I do like, I do use weaving as part of my spiritual practice. Um, it's kind of my place where I allow myself to just like sit with a question or a thought or, you know, an emotion. And, um, I just allow myself to be open to it and, let it kind of teach me what it has to teach me. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, I think weaving is a spiritual thing for sure. Yeah, that's a, it's a really beautiful way of putting it. Um, what are the, what are the ways that you have of accessing those spirituality pieces and, and processing those things when you sit down at your loom? Does it just come naturally or do you have specific rituals or ways to bring that forward? Um, so I will sit down and just kind of close my eyes and just do a check-in with myself. And actually the question that I usually ask myself is like, 
what do I need? What do I need to know today? And I use the word know in kind of like a really general term, you know, not like needing a specific answer to a question, but like, what's this thing that like has me stuck? And what do I need to know or assimilate to be able to move forward? Um, so that's just, I mean, an example of that was um, this piece that I made out of um, the baby blankets that my kids were wrapped in when they were first born mm-hmm. and the clothing that my husband and I um, wore to the hospital because um, I had really traumatic birth experiences. And um, I felt really kind of trapped in a lot of that disappointment and kind of dissociation from my body that happened through that process. And um, so when I actually sat at the loom and said, okay, this, this piece is about what happened at that time and why it happened and what I need to learn from it. And I never actually got any answers as to why. Um, but I felt the trauma kind of moving out of my body through that work. And so since then, I've just kind of made it a practice to be just kind of check in with myself and say, okay, like this is where I'm at and I'm going to sit with it in this very slow, not rushed way. That's a really powerful story and testament to the way that weaving and creating can help can help work through things and and tell like help us tell new stories about about what what we do in our lives what are what are you trying to know in this coming year in the coming months what are the things that you're working through on your loom right now oh man well um i feel like there are a lot of things in my life that I thought we were going to go a certain way and that look very different. And a lot of it is good, but I think there is um, a measure of grief that you go through when you're experiencing change or when things turn out to be not the way you expect them to be. And so a lot of my work right now is kind of around that Um, or just the idea of what, what do I actually need to hang on to? You know, what is that solid place within myself that if everything else gets taken away, like what, what is still there? And so I've really been trying to get in touch with that just really central rooted, um, part of who I am. And I don't think I'm there yet, but that is my hope. Hmm. So in, in addition to being a weaver, you also teach weaving. And I'm curious how you bring these themes and these, these bigger like ideas of what weaving brings to your life into your teaching with your students. I teach weaving as meditation. And in that class, we go through... Um, 
just a centering practice and work from that place. And so it's, it's similar to my own practice. It doesn't always look the same. And I like to tell people that, you know, they have to adapt it to what works for them. But I like to introduce weaving as something you can do from a very, very personal space. And you don't even have to tell anyone what it's about, but it's um, just a way to use your hands to um, explore a concept or um, even, you know, go back to a memory or something that just feels important um, and an emotion that feels really strong in you. Um, and I don't know, like I'm not um, by any means really well versed in mindfulness techniques. Um, this is just kind of what I've stumbled upon through my own practice. And so I hope that what I teach helps people to access that. <laughs> you know, all you can do is really just offer what you do have. Um, but I think whether people choose to become weavers or whether they choose to just um, incorporate a little bit more mindfulness to like cooking dinner, I think the same things apply and are super, super important to integrate. Yeah. How, how did you get started teaching weaving and mindfulness? Mm. Well, I had just started teaching uh, weaving basics class and I felt like I didn't want people to walk away from a class with just um, you know a few technical skills because I feel like you can learn that on YouTube you know or on your own you know just kind of play but I think where at least for me where really, really significant learning has come from has been people that are just kind of offering things from their deep self. And so I felt like that's what I should be doing because that is what has touched me in the past. And so that's kind of how I started introducing that class. That's great. So you founded The Weaving Kind in 2015, and can yeah. you tell me more about what that is and what it is that drew you to wanting to create that community? I feel like The Weaving Kind is always evolving. Um, initially, I just wanted to create um, just kind of a central place on Instagram where weavers could find each other and learn and um, get inspired to try new things. And... Um, there was kind of, I felt like this kind of competitive vibe that was happening because everybody was learning to weave. Everybody was opening an Etsy shop. People were kind of like, just kind of recreating stuff from Pinterest. And um, it kind of, it didn't feel like the kind of community that I knew it could be. And I just wanted to kind of level the playing field and allow for a lot of voices to be heard 
and for people to realize like okay like there's more to weaving than just this um kind of wall hanging style that was popular at the at that time and um to get into the history of weaving which is so rich mm -hmm. and just more than anything though really that personal connection that was that was the thing that was really really important to me and it's incredible because I feel like that community you know I, I hoped that it would do that and I feel like it really has I think the culture of weaving on Instagram is just so beautiful now and I see so many wonderful relationships being formed and people inspiring each other without you know copying each other and um I think creative community is just it's absolutely vital and it's something that has changed a lot with the advent of social media um and so yeah I just I really wanted to create a space where people were encouraged to move beyond their screens. So I love the way you talk about moving beyond the screens, but still with within the screens is the way of like initially connecting with each other. And I'm mm -hmm. curious how, what form the community took as it started to develop and also specifically what were the ways that you and other folks that you were working with were able to promote collaboration over competition? Give me one sec. Okay. Okay. I think, well, the, the way that we initially structured it, um, it, it, it was interesting. It came out, it came about like pretty organically. I, I had a few really good weaving buddies and, um, I wrote some emails and said, Hey, if I start this community, would you be interested in being involved or at least sharing about the fact that it exists, which I think was really important because everyone that I spoke to was like, yes, like this is, this is something that absolutely needs to happen. Um, and the way we initially structured it was that we were going to once a month present a weaving challenge that was going to get um, people just thinking about weaving in a new way and maybe trying something that they wouldn't have otherwise. And we would send out the challenge via email. People would send them in to us and we initially posted everything anyone submitted. And I think the important thing that we kept in mind at that time was that we're not going to have, you know, weaving celebrities. Everyone's going to have an equal voice. We're going to hear from people on all sides of the weaving tradition. And um, that was really cool for a while. And then I felt like, okay, let's take this a step further. So one of our, one of our challenges was actually to go and meet some weavers in real life. And so we did that. And then we started using these community hashtags where you could um, hashtag your city or your region. So like I'm weaving Colorado and weaving Fort Collins. And so through that, people were able to connect, um, you know, independently of a challenge. And so, you know, we started seeing some actual friendships, real life friendships pop up through that. Um, and then um, we 
started to put together a retreat. Yes, and I want to hear more about that retreat, which I was really grateful to get to attend last fall. Um, what was that experience like to put that retreat together and then to see it come before your eyes and be a, be a thing in the world? <laughs> a thing? A real thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually, I'm really curious to hear how it was for you. Do you have any, do you have any like... Yeah. So I walked into, I was introduced, I started weaving in, in 2008, uh, yeah. long before I had heard of Instagram, or I don't even know if Instagram existed. And I learned from a group of women on the outskirts of Toronto on a floor loom. And like, it wasn't a guild, but it was kind of like a guild. So in, in that, in that vein of learning and mm-hmm. I really had no idea. I didn't join Instagram until like a year or two ago. I had no idea that there was this growing movement of different kinds of weavers who were younger that were meeting each other on the social media platform and and creating community together. I would say that I discovered that probably only like a year, year and a half ago um, and was plugging into that more and more as I was starting my own fiber related businesses. But then to actually show up into this place and to see this whole generation of younger folks who were taking on this craft and making it happen in new ways was really, really cool. Um, And it wasn't something that I expected to come out of, you know, the phone screens on Instagram. So it was a really special experience for me. Yeah, it was it was really, really amazing for me, too. It was I mean, on one hand, it was so exhausting (laughs) to put something of that scale together. Um, And I didn't really know what to expect because I had never done anything like that before. And most of the people that were coming had also never done anything like that before. So I think, you know, there were just a lot of nerves on my part, but also on the part of a lot of the attendees, but, um, it was incredible. It was so, um, it was exhilarating and just, I don't know, it blew my mind to just see people showing up for themselves and showing up for their art and, um, you know, coming to this thing as their whole selves and, um, you know, not holding anything back creatively and on a personal level. And um, I mean, I got my dream team of instructors that, you know, every single one of them, I was like nervous to ask them to come, but every single one of them was like, hell yes. And um, my co-planners were amazing. But really, you know, just seeing that, that in-person connection happen before your eyes in real time. This dream that I'd had since, you know, the very early days of the weaving kind of taking it out of the virtual realm and into the physical, it, I mean, it was a total dream come true. And I just, I still can't believe that we got to do that. Yeah. What was your favorite moment of that weekend? My favorite moment was the last night of the retreat when we had a weaving swap. So a lot of people brought um, pieces that they'd made and we just randomly paired people up and had them trade. 
and it was so cute and everyone <laughs> hugged each other and some people cried and it was just like I don't know it just felt really really lovely to um have people not only give to each other relationally but actually give each other a physical memento of such an incredible weekend yeah yeah absolutely well sarah i really appreciate you talking to me today and sharing more of your story and getting to hear more about the back history of the weaving kind and also of your own weaving journey um before we sign off i would love if you could a tell people how they can find out about your work on the internet and on social media and also if you have any advice or parting words of wisdom that you would want to share with other weavers okay so you can find my work at sarahnewbert.com and i'm on instagram at s.newbert and um you can go to theweavingkind.com if you're interested in getting involved with that community or also on Instagram at theweavingkind. And as far as advice goes, I would just say be curious. Allow yourself to make things that may not turn out amazing. And um, like it's really okay to spend 22 hours on something that ends up in the garbage. It really is. And also, um, there's this beautiful, beautiful quote from um, Billie Holiday where she says, if I, if I sing, I'm probably kind of misquoting this, but it's like, if I sing like somebody else, then I don't need to sing at all. And I think each person has just this vast, vast amount of beauty within them to give. And there's a lot more to weaving than the techniques and making something that's just pretty. And so, yeah, learn to, learn to speak through your weaving with your own voice. Very beautiful advice. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you. That's a wrap. If you'd like to see photos of Sarah's weaving, as well as links to her website and The Weaving Kind, you can find the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen nine. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N.com. You can also leave a comment there to let us know what you thought of the episode. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Susan Dubois, owner of Treenway Silks. Trinway Silks is widely known in the weaving community as a source for exquisite silk yarns, hand-dyed every color of the rainbow. In our conversation, we discuss the story behind her business, where her love for color comes from, and her tips for weaving with fine silk yarn. You won't want to miss it, so tune back in next Monday. And until then, happy weaving!